when uh, songs come directly out of scripture, right? Did you guys catch that, the third song we sung? Straight out of the text that we're, that we're teaching on today. That didn't just happen, right? This, these things are intentional. All right. I know I'm in a room with a bunch of smart people, okay? I look around and I see a bunch of smart people, so maybe you can help me out with this. Who knows the difference between a part and a part? Yeah, that's what I thought too. Who knows the difference between a part and a part? Look at nobody's brave enough. We're going to interact a bit today, okay? Just saying. Um, we have a church that we're able to do that in. I looked up online because that's where I go to find all of my answers. <laughs> and uh, somebody online said the difference between a part and a part is a part implies a separation between things, okay? So kind of off by itself, separate from one another, whereas a part implies something that is shared, something where there's togetherness, something that is part of something bigger, all right? So here's a question. Is worship a part or a part? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure, you don't answer the last question, but you answer that one. <laughs> Is worship a part or a part? Walk with me a little bit this morning as we dive into this, all right? Now, I'm going to take a slightly different direction, but it'll all come back. Answer me this question, so legitimate answers. When you are having friends, family, people you haven't seen for a long time, like the Lorenz family, when you're excited to have them over to your house for a dinner or a meal or the, or the game, right? What do you do to prepare? Legitimate question. What do you do to prepare? Food, okay? So if you need to get food, you go to, the, go to the store and get food, and then you start preparing it, right? Okay, good. Food, what else? Clean the house. Clean the house. Yes, vacuum, dust, throw everything under the bed, however it looks. I've got two teenage sons, okay? Come on, let's be real. How, what else do you do? We talked about things at the house, right? Food and, and cleaning. What do you do? Tommy takes a shower. Thank you for doing that. He gets cleaned up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody put on makeup? No. <laughs> Mike, thank you for raising your hand. I appreciate that. What, what else do you do? I mean, this is like a serious question. Say again. Get dressed. Thank you. Yes, if you're having company, definitely get dressed. Be a win for them. Okay. Um, anything else? You stress a little bit. Thank you for that. Yes, you do. And then you organize. Okay, all these things that you're talking about, they help create a little bit of anticipation, right? As you're taking a shower, as you're stressing, as you're vacuuming, you can't wait for these people to show up, right? You can't wait for them to, to be a, a part of what you're doing. Essentially, what you're doing is you are setting some time apart from your normal time for these people. All right, well, here's what got me thinking about this. Uh, most of you know I went to Texas last week. I went for a race. It was a lot of fun. Okay, I stayed with um, a, a lady named Jana and her husband. Jana was one of Abby's best friends growing up. Okay, in high school, they were best friends. Uh, she was in our wedding, and we hadn't seen her in like 23 years. When first, uh, last I saw Jana, she was single, now married with three kids. And here's a picture of her three daughters, okay? Uh, that's Ainsley, that's Anna, and wait, that's Ainsley, that's Abby, and that's Anna. And if you guys are watching today, hi girls, you're famous, I'm talking about you. 
Okay? Um, let me tell you something I realized right off the bat. Staying in a house with three young girls is completely different than a house with two teenage boys. <laughs> in a good way, okay? Man, there was some energy coming from those young ladies. Now, they had never seen me. They had only heard from their mom about this strange guy who's coming who was a husband of the best friend of her mom in high school. So, like, they had no idea who I was. But I show up, and they welcome me right in. All right? And on the first night, we're sitting there on the couch, and Ainsley, who's the youngest, is sitting next to me. She says, I am so excited for tomorrow. Okay, it's Thursday. What? what? And her mom's like, well, Why? Because we're having ribs. Oh my goodness, that girl knew what to be excited for. Okay, because in Texas they do ribs right. Oh my goodness, the dad the next day spent all day outside in his smoker smoking three racks of ribs. Every time I walked by, my stomach started grumbling. Okay, that was that started at like eight in the morning and all the way down to dinner time. I was. We were, we were anticipating this. Halfway through the afternoon, the girls were helping uh, clean. They were clearing the table. They were setting, setting the table, folding napkins, you know, all this stuff, making the mashed potatoes, making a, a phenomenal salad. There was anticipation leading up to this meal that was going to be set apart from everything else. All right? And right before we were washing hands, getting ready to sit down, and little Ainsley, she was six at the time, turned seven this past week, little Ainsley, she says, Mr. James, Tonight's dinner is a no cell phone, no tablet at the table dinner. <laughs> we're going to talk, we're going to laugh, and we're going to eat. Six years old, she knew that this was a time that was set apart, right? Different than the normal meals that we would eat. It was a time that you could say ended up being a sacred space. But you know what I'm talking about. These times that we get excited for, these times we start feeling some anticipation. Here's a question. Do we feel that same way when we gather on a Sunday morning? When we are preparing to come to church, do we have a sense of anticipation? A sense of expectancy? Ooh. Father, this is your story that's being told. Our lives are your stories that are being written. And I want to tell that story well. I ask that you would help us to hear exactly what it is you want to say to us this morning. And I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. What is your anticipation level to gather for a worship service on a Sunday morning? Do you look forward to this time that hopefully is set apart from the rest of your week? Grab your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 84. It was our call to worship this morning, so you've heard it read. We are in week two of a two-week series looking at worship. This is part of our ongoing year-long catechumenate series, which is studying the basics of our faith. Uh, last week, Pastor Mark Finney, who did a fantastic job, shared on worship as kind of a way of life. And if you weren't here, you seriously should go download the podcast or hop on our website and watch it. It was good. Oh, it was good. So today, we continue this idea of talking about worship, and our text being found in Psalm 84. A little history to this text. Most people believe it was a song of ascent, okay? which means that the pilgrims, the journeyers, were singing it as they journeyed toward Jerusalem for their celebration of the big annual festival. 
Now, for the people who didn't live in Jerusalem, this was big doings. Because at best, somebody came once a year to the temple to worship. That's at best. So they would be excited. Imagine smoked ribs, except multiplied times a gazillion. Right? Way, way more exciting because you're going to worship the Lord. Now, for the people back then, this could have been a one-day journey, three or four miles, or it could have been a journey of weeks. But they would prepare. Be long days on the trail, smelly donkeys, smelly teenagers, uh, smelly everything. But this was part of the adventure of worship for them. And their pilgrimage was set apart. You can sense their anticipation in this text as we sung about and as you hear in the first seven verses. Just imagine them walking towards Jerusalem, going up, singing this. They're saying, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. They weren't fainting just because they had been walking for two weeks. They were longing to be in God's presence. With my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. They were even envious of the sparrows who made a nest in the home near God's altar. Verse 4, what joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. We think of those like Anna and Simeon in Luke chapter 2 who, it said, basically lived in the temple. They're saying, what joy for those who get to do that. And then they go on, what joy whose strength for those who come, who, joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord as they set their mind to Jerusalem, right? Because they're walking, they're getting tired, they're getting tired of their siblings because they've been walking for three days and they just keep poking them. They're getting tired, but they know that their joy is in the Lord and they can't wait to see him. Yes, there's going to be tears, but there's also going to be refreshing. And they, they continue to grow stronger and stronger as they get closer and closer to Jerusalem. And I understood that from the race last week. You know, it's a long race, 140.6 miles. As you're nearing the end, you start seeing people smile. You don't see that for the first 137 miles because they're just angry. But the last couple of miles, they start getting this grin on their face. They're anticipating arrival. That's what these people were doing, all right? You can almost feel their excitement. For us, we go to the store. We vacuum. Right? We, we put on nicer clothes when people come over. These guys would have loaded the donkeys, set apart their sacrifices, grabbed some extra cash for the, you know, for the 7-Eleven on the way. They would have told stories to their kids as they were walking. They would have told them of their ancestry. They would have kept pouring gas on this fire of anticipation because they knew that the time they were having was going to be set apart. It was going to be different than all the other time that they had. And even if it was just one day, they couldn't wait to get there, right? Verse 10, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord than live a good life in the homes of the wicked. God, you're our grace, our, our glory, our sun, our shield. What joy for those who trust in you. Better is one day. These people would look forward to this trip all year, and some couldn't make it each year. And maybe they come every three years, so they are just eager and anticipating what they are going to do. You can hear this song, just the, the timber, the timbre, the tenor, as it grows. It becomes richer and richer. And I mean, I was listening to the individual voices singing it as we sang it. I mean, imagine people who had been on the road for a while. They're ready. They can't wait to get there. I mean, even the prayers that they prayed when they went to bed at night, they, they were reflective of this anticipation of this ability to worship. 
Psalm 84, 8 and 9, it says, O Lord God of heaven's armies, hear my prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob, right? And then we might think that they were going to say, prepare my heart for worship. Get us ready so that we can stand before you. But they don't go that route. They go, O God, look with favor upon the king. Our shield, show favor on the one that you have anointed. Now, this was more than just the perfunctory, Lord, Lord, bless our king. We pray for our king. These guys knew that that king made it possible to have this festival. They, they made it possible. They, they helped set up the decorations. They, made, they had the team that was facilitating the entire organization of the week-long festival. They were praying, Lord, guard and protect him so that we can get together and worship in this time that is set apart. You sense in their anticipation? The pilgrims, the journeyers, they longed to enter God's courts, their whole being, body and soul, fainting with longing. They had prepared. They had traveled. They had arrived or were close to it, and they knew that this time was set apart. It was different. The youngest daughter says, I'm looking forward to tomorrow because we're having ribs. Can you imagine the youngest daughter on the trip one day out from, from Jerusalem? Mom, Dad, I'm looking forward to tomorrow because we're going to worship the Lord. We're going to be in his presence. Oh, my goodness. Most people who race can't sleep the night before because they're nervous. Imagine if we couldn't sleep the night before because we were so excited to meet in God's house and worship him. Might be a different experience. Do we feel that same thing? Good music, right? Some of you, everybody's like, is he going to say something about the phone? I'm not going to say anything about the phone. It'll stop ringing eventually. <laughs> Sunday morning when you get up, do you sense that same sense of excitement and anticipation that these pilgrims or travelers may have felt? Do we come to church with this expectation or is it, okay, I got my coffee right before I got here. This is only going to take an hour because James usually only talks for about 30 minutes and then we get to go. I don't mean for this to be a punch in the gut. Maybe I'm the only one that's feeling this punch in the gut. And maybe this isn't even a fair question, okay? Because we live in a different time, a different place, a different culture. We worship the same God they were worshiping, but we meet weekly, right? It's different. I mean, we don't, we don't walk for two weeks to get here. The longest we drive is 40 minutes, and that might be art, right? Maybe 40 minutes to get here. Well, the Scullies, you guys got a long drive too, but you hit, you hit I-90, so, okay? Um, we know that this is going to be 90 minutes if you include the time before where you're chatting with people and the time after, and then you're going to get to go on your way and you're going to catch your DVR game. And do we ever come with the sense of anticipation that these people are having in our text or has our weekly gathering become commonplace? Is it no longer set apart? I mean, yes, we come to church on Sunday mornings because that's something different, right? We don't normally get up on Saturday mornings and go to a building and sing songs. I mean, where else, aside from the national anthem, do you see people corporately singing these days? Not too many places, right? Is our worship set apart? One author writing about this psalm says that Psalm 84 is about movement from outside to inside, from courtyard to Jerusalem to the temple, from ordinary to extraordinary, from daily concerns to sacred spaces. In the years past, there was a process of preparation for Sunday services. Some of you experienced this, okay? It was a special time set apart that required a Saturday bath. 
It required you to put clothes aside for Sunday. There was a sense of anticipation that came. Some and you guys live that, mom and dad, like, hey, it's time to get ready for Sunday. There was a set apartness to our morning. Now we live in a world that is go, 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 and we're so close that it's like, I mean, I'm lucky if I get socks that match. I do today. They're both pink, right? <laughs> but that's because I picked them out the night before because I knew I was going to ask if you got ready the night before. <laughs> All right? Do we anticipate getting together to worship together? Do we anticipate a time that is set apart Tim and I were talking about this on Wednesday as we were looking through the service, and we're like, what can we do to help facilitate this? Because we meet 52 weeks out of the year. It may not always be here 52 weeks out of the year, but Sunday happens every week. As, as people on staff, we know that. So we were asking ourselves, what could we do to start creating this sense of anticipation? And one thing we thought of was, well, let's send out the worship set on Thursday. We send it out Wednesday to the worship team so they can, they can be listening and, and, and getting ready for it. But what if we as a church knew the songs that we were singing? It could, have two, it could go two different directions. We know this. You could realize it's not your favorite song, so you could stay home. <laughs> we know that. That's not what worship is about. Okay? The other thing it could do is we could listen to this worship set. We could start singing this worship set. I had uh, holy water on repeat this morning as I was driving to church, and it got my heart ready to sing that song we started with. So we're going to try that. We don't know if it'll work. I mean, if it fails miserably, oh well, right? But start looking for an email on Thursdays. We're going to send out the song set. There'll be links. It'll be professionals that'll be playing it. And then you'll get to come here and you'll get to worship together. That's one thing we might try to do. So here's my question. Is worship supposed to be set apart? Yes. Yes, good answer. <laughs> Good answer. Is worship supposed to be something that is set apart? Yes, absolutely. But the more I thought about this, the more I was reminded that it's not just set apart. You said it at the beginning. Is worship set apart or is it a part? The answer is yes. The answer is both. And you can find both of that in this text. You know, it's funny because we talk about worship when we, when we uh, sent out the, the Facebook conversation middle of the week. What's your favorite form of worship? That conversation, everybody talked about song, because that's what we think of. We think of 937 to 959 of the worship set, the three songs in, in the beginning, and that's what we think of. But you remember, like, last holiday season? That's the second time I mentioned holidays. I'm sorry. I'm going to put my tree up this afternoon. Um, <laughs> remember last holiday season, we were given instruction not to sing because they didn't want uh, to spread COVID? And, man, you talk about taking away the best songs. And we didn't sing Christmas carols, but we looked at other ways that we worshiped. I mean, prayer, liturgy, laughter, community. These are all different ways that we worship. I got a text this morning from someone who can't be here, and they were real bummed because they, they said to me, I wanted to be there to hear how you talked about how worship is not just song because I've never thought about it like that. We typically think that worship is just singing, and yet... If it's just singing, we'd have to be singing all the time, and the people around us would get tired of that. So worship needs to be a part of who we are as well. I see that in the first four verses. You know, we, we read this knowing that the, the pilgrims are going to the temple, to a building to gather. And yet you look at some of the language they use, and it just brings it alive. How lovely is your dwelling place? Because that's where God dwelt, was in the temple back then. Yes, I long, I faint with longing to enter into your courts. This was the courts of the temple. 
Even the sparrow finds a home, a place near your altar. What joy for those who live in your house. These are words that paint a specific picture. They, they don't paint a picture of, I'm going to go there for an hour to an hour and a half on one day, and then I'm going to leave. They paint a picture of dwelling, of residing, of becoming part of what takes place. These people wanted what the people who lived in Jerusalem had access to. They wanted to be able to have God all the time. Worship is so much more than standing, sitting, passing a plate. It is a part of who we are. People were longing to have worship be a home in their heart. Does that make sense? A little bit? I think the best way I can describe it is like this. Let's go back to Texas. Not everybody, because the guest room's not big enough, but um, come back to Texas with me mentally right now, all right? I'm a guest in their house. The people, they don't know me, right, until I show up. But very soon, very soon, they welcomed me in. I gotta be honest, if you don't know who I am, these are not my kids, okay? I have two sons, let me clarify that. These are three girls that I fell in love with within about a day of being there, and they fell in love with me. I haven't stopped talking about them since I got home, all right? The guest room was like right off of the, uh, of the living room. And you know, my body time, I'm two hours back, so I would sleep till six my body time, which was eight their time, and then I would get up and I'd open the door to go out, and there on the couches were three young girls. Okay, let's be honest. One of them's a teenager, so it's more like, good morning, dad's here, mom's here, we already ate, I hope you slept well. But the other two, oh my goodness. Mr. James, you're up. Mr. James, can I make you tea? Can I make you coffee? You want to play Frogger? Here's a remote. We played old school Frogger for hours. And you know when I knew I'd become part of family? When I made it to level three. Okay? Because she may have been a teenager, but six hands shot up and three girls screamed, Mr. James has made it farther than anybody else in the family. Not our family, but the family. I was part of their family. Oh, they would cheer for me when I walked in. Sam and JJ, if you're walking, cheer for me sometime when I walk in. <laughs> Little Ainsley on Friday said, Mr. James, when are you leaving? Well, I'm leaving on Sunday. Why? Well, because I want to go back to my Abbey and to my boys. Well, can you go get them and move back down here? You can live in there. <laughs> Oh, Miss Ainsley, that's pretty small for the four of us. Well, buy the house next door. She didn't miss a beat. She's six. Buy the house next door. Then we'll come over there. You'll come over here. We were part of, I was part of family. Five days, but I lived there. I dwelt there. I had no idea, but those, those three girls and that mom showed up at the race. Here's a picture, okay? Hands down, the absolute best part of that entire day. They were supposed to be at a baby shower like two hours away or something, and they showed up. I almost cried. Like, seriously, I was part of their family. I had, I had gone from being a part. Here's a guy who's going who's gonna to be a part, something different than what we have for the next five days, to being a part of who they are. And I want worship to be that for me. I want worship to be that for us. I want the home of my heart to be a perpetual place of worship. What does that look like? What could it look like? Singing on Sunday mornings? Yes, absolutely. That's part of it. But also, 
who we are and what we do. So here's my question. I'm going to have Tim come on up here. A legitimate question for you guys. We asked it online on Friday, I think. Aside from worship in song, what is it that you do that is worship as a part of your life? Does that question make sense? Aside from worship and song, what is it you do that makes worship a part of something in your life? Okay, Steve, your guy, ski patrol, okay? I would imagine sometimes when you are riding up on the, uh, on the lifts, you can look around and just see the beauty, and you recognize that's God's creation, and that's worship. So you see where I'm, where I'm going with this? I mean, it could be that you love washing dishes. Uh, Brother Lawrence, um, practicing the presence of God, felt God's presence when he was washing dishes. So what is it that you guys do that allows you to worship as a part of your life? Does that question make sense? Hopefully it does, because I'm going to actually have you turn to your neighbor and share one thing. We're going to do this in two minutes. Okay, Share one thing, and then we're going to come back, and you're going to share it out loud so that we can enjoy the ways that other people worship besides song. All right, Tim, I'll just have you play quietly. Two minutes. Ready, set, go. I can tell you guys are enjoying this because there's a healthy buzz going on. Okay, so we're going to have you come back together. I would encourage these conversations to continue after the service, but I also want to make sure we have a chance to hear from everyone about ways we are doing that. Now, thankfully, we've asked this question online um, earlier in the week, so I have some things to start priming the pump if, in case you're scared to, uh, to share. So Nathan uh, online said, I worship by being in the woods with no one. Yes. Amen to the, all, the, all the introverts are like, amen to that. Uh, Gary Myro, who's now down in, uh, in uh, Arizona, I think is where he at. He says he worships through prayer 
and quality time with Christian friends. That's worship. Monica, who's a friend of mine from high school who uh, got burned by the church years and years ago, she answered the Facebook post and said worship for her is shown through acts of service, which is cool. Uh, Tommy loves doing random acts, pulling over to help someone pick up firewood that fell out of, the, of, their, uh, of their car on the way you know, in rush hour. These are, these are parts of worship. This is, this is when worship becomes a part of who we are. Okay, so what do you got? How do you worship as a part of your life? Hiking. 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 Thank you. It's hard to, it's hard to hear where the sound came from because you're masked. Good. Hiking. Yes. Good. How else? Yeah. Caring for people by listening. It's good to see your face. Uh, yeah, man, what a, what a, what a way of, of, of ministry and worship that is just to listen. That's good. How else? Hospitality, sharing your home for small groups and conversational dinners. Yeah. What else? Writing letters. Writing letters. That is absolutely worship. That so many people have been touched by your worship. They really, really have. How else? Yeah. I have a habit when people ask me, how are you? My automatic response is better than I deserve. Mm-hmm. Very good. So worship is a chance to share this faith. Yeah. Somebody else. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Listening to Jan play the piano. Yes, for sure. Michael. Absolutely. Conversation. A few other people online. Uh, Heidi says she cleans, and that is an act of worship for her. So do the Zemkis. Jason says, come worship is his house. I love it. The Zemkis clean as well. The Zemke family cooks as a form of worship. Jan sits in the garden, feeling God's presence in nature. Uh, Nathan says it's whenever he's doing anything with his hands that he's not crabby about with a smiley face, okay? Joel, Joel, thank you for, for saying something. Says he worships when he wakes up, thankful for a new day. And Abby says worship is, is solitude for her, caring for animals, creating, traveling, interacting with cultures other than hers. That's a great way to worship. Jan says worship is a state of mind and is part of who she is expressed individually. We worship in so many different ways. This gathering on Sunday morning, yes, is set apart. Yes, it's vital. Yes, we need to come with our hearts prepared. We need to have some anticipation. But we need to live.